I would like to study a redemptive perspective and approach to the idea of evil in the world and then go on to trace how that approach is magnificently woven into the format of our parsha, in particular the parsha's conclusion, and how it sets the stage for the parsha which follows. To begin, one of the most troubling issues in the human condition is the notion of suffering. The experience of human suffering is particularly vexing to the believer in Hashem. The basic conception of a loving God is challenged and and seems to be contradicted by the pain we see in front of us. This question so confounds man that it oftentimes leads him to believe, Halila, that there is another power at work, a counterforce of evil dueling with Hashem. This confusion has given rise to various theologies throughout the ages. Zoroastrianism, the ancient Persian religion, puts its trust in two deities, an actual god of evil balances the equation with the god of goodness. More recently, various Christian denominations envision a reality called the devil who hinders God's kingdom. In the modern era, secularism believes in the randomness of nature, which at times visits a cruel fate upon the innocent. All of these belief systems vary in tone and tenor, but they share a common core. Man's inability to reconcile suffering with a loving God drives him to conclude that there is some other force at work. In essence, to preserve the wholeness of a loving God, they split off the evil component and attach it elsewhere. Judaism, however, is not overwhelmed by this question. The oneness of Hashem is a perfection that transcends human comprehension. That wholeness is absolute and cannot be shaken by our limited understanding. What we do know with clarity is that he is loving and that showering us with loving kindness is the ultimate objective he pursues. The wretched pain and suffering we see in front of us must be part of his master plan to bring forth a higher goodness for mankind, as difficult as that may be for us to understand. This truth becomes apparent at the time of Google. From the vantage point of redemption, we can consider that the evil was not absolute, not an end in itself. Hashem, in his expanded perspective, was pursuing a game plan larger than human perception. The notion of a counterforce of evil, a demon or a devil opposing Hashem, now just melts away. The dragon is not slain, it simply dissolves. The wicked witch is not stabbed, she simply melts away. As we say in the tefillah of the Yom Nairam, all wickedness will evaporate like smoke. The notion of the devil is actually a misimpression, a false interpretation of what lies behind the very real pain of human misery. To use a metaphor from modern parlance, the demon is like the bully who so terrifies his victims until his very weakness is exposed. Ramchal expands the above idea, pointing out that at the time of Geula, a positive aspect of prior suffering becomes apparent. Through the benefit of hindsight, we are able to embrace the past in a redemptive perspective. We come to appreciate that the inspiring epiphany of Geula is only possible in the context of the Gaulas that preceded it. 
The suffering fed into the common misimpression that there's a counterforce of evil. The revelation dismissing that untruth is therefore all the more dramatic and conclusive. The Gullus had a role to play as the backdrop for this grand lesson by enticing us to entertain the possibility of evil as a force separate from the force of goodness. The lesson can be better learned. The Gullus functions, literally speaking, as the devil's advocate, lobbying for the force notion of the devil separate from Hashem only to prove just how false this idea is. Based on this understanding, Ramchal explains the concept of the birth pangs of Mashiach, Chevle Mashiach, poorly translated in English as the Armageddon. At the threshold of redemption, the suffering of exile becomes progressively worse in order to increase the dramatic revelation that will follow. It is only because the supposed counterforce of evil seemed to rear its ugly head and its full wanton glory immediately before the redemption, that the repudiation of this fallacy is compelling and convincing. This pattern set by Ramchal in the dramatic segue from Gullus into Gaula comes brilliantly to light in the final chapter of Gullus Mitzrayim at the end of our parsha, When Moshe comes on the scene with the promise of, rede- of freedom, his arrival actually yields an adverse effect. Pyro responds by further oppressing B'nai Yisrael, by depriving them of building material to complete their task. Not only did their condition worsen, but Hashem, the God of Israel in whose name Moshe spoke, seemed incapable of redeeming his people. In fact, Moshe has set himself as painfully confounded, deeply vexed and troubled. He questions Hashem. At the end of our parsha, Lama Harios Lama Zashlachtani, why have you done bad to this people? Why have you sent me? And indeed, why, we must ask? Why does Hashem play this charade of inept, of an if ineptness? If the time was not yet ripe for Yitzhak Mitzrayim, why does he send Moshe in the first place? But now we can understand this master stroke in the unveiling of Geula. In this final episode of Gaulus, before the tide shifts to Geula, Hashem purposefully creates the false impression that there are two forces at work, Chasva The imposter, the counterforce of evil, seems so validated. It seems that not only Paro, but some demonic power reigns supreme on his devilish throne. But actually, it is Hashem at work, allowing the spectator to reach a false conclusion in order to set the stage for the dramatic revelation which follows. All the grander will the wake-up call be when this misimpression is thoroughly debunked by the unfolding Geula. This dramatic moment of transition comes out magnificently in the text itself. Hashem responds to Moshe's above-cited question with the statement, Now you will see that which I will do to Pharaoh. It is only now, when the situation makes no sense, and it seems as if Hashem faces hurdles and opposition, that we are ready for the astonishing revelation of Geula. The entire scope of wickedness experienced by B'nai Yisrael was but a smokescreen. B'nai Yisrael is primed to see that Hashem had always been present behind the curtain, directing a glorious outcome.
the Geula would now be absolute and convincing. Immediately following this episode, which ends our parsha Shmos, the parsha of slavery, the parsha of salvation begins. Parsha Sveira, which follows next week, comes to herald the four expressions of redemption. Moshe's mission would then be a resounding success. He would be a totally different figure than the one who was scoffed at in our Shemos fiasco. This metamorphosis of Moshe is elegantly conveyed by the text in Parshas Ve'era. Before he begins the Makos in Ve'era, the text traces his lineage along with his brother Aaron's as though introducing them for the very first time. This is the Eila Rashi Beis Avosam narrative in Parshas Ve'era Paragvav Pasuk Yedalet Rashi. What's going on here? What is this narrative doing? This narrative of lineage. The brothers had already made their appearance on the stage of Yitzhak Mitzrayim in our Parshas Mos. Why do they need a grand introduction at that time before the Makos and Parshas Ve'era? Well, now we understand. Isn't the Torah telling us that at that stage, they are in a sense new people, redeemers who will be a smashing success. Going forward, there will be no snags, no confusion as to who is in charge, no holdups in the unfolding drama. The failure of before Parsha Shemos, our Parsha, was in fact not a failure. It was an intentional part of the whole performance. How much more exciting is the drama when the revelation takes off from this low point? The so-called wicked witch, evil itself, is now unmasked as a puppet of Hashem's design. How magnificent to see and appreciate the format of our parasha as it closes and sets the stage for next week's parsha, Parsha Sve'era, the parsha of Geula. How inspiring to us as we face down evil and suffering in our present Gullus to know that all of this suffering will soon become apparent as part of the grand drama of Geula. There is a Geula right around the corner. A new vantage point from which we will look back and see how all that we are experiencing right now is actually part of something beautiful. Amen. Kane, you hear that song.